0: It's another edition of Across the County, a year-end edition of Across the County or a year beginning depending on when you're listening to this. We're pre-recording a interview, a great interview with one of my favorite people, we're supposed to get theological here on the show today. Had a last-minute cancellation, but have no fear. The man of uh, just a thousand pinch hits is here to talk entertainment with me once again. It's Matt Mungle, of course, from The Entertainment Answer. Go to the EntertainmentAnswer.com, Heard all across the Salem radio networks. MungleShow.com as well. And what, Matt, what was supposed to be an eight-minute chat is now a 28-minute extravaganza of breaking down the holidays and what we've seen and what we want to see with the realm of streaming entertainment. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. I appreciate you having me on again, and a happy holidays. And if you want to talk theology... You want to
1: scrap the movies? Dive into some theology, man. I'm here. Ooh, that that is
0: good to know for the future, but I'm too excited about what's been out for the holidays. There's stuff that I haven't seen and you haven't seen, and we're going to kind of cross the streams as it were. It's going to be exciting. It
1: is. I'm excited about it.
0: So first off, it's kind of the holiday treats for twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two. I know it's award season, and that's what's been keeping us from connecting. It's the Critics Choice Awards, etc. So let's start with what movies are up for nominations that have been on your radar of late. You're
1: right. This seems to be. I mean, I know the holidays are always fun, but it seems like end of year with the award season, everybody wants to get their movies in right before we vote. So we always get these last minute, you know, rush to get everything watched and that's what we've been doing. So yeah, it's good to connect with you and talk about some of these. Uh, as far as the Critics' Choice Awards, we're sort of the the, the second to the Oscars, um, not to toot our own horn, but uh, usually we kind of fall in precedent with that. So um, it's always exciting to see what we nominate because sometimes the Oscars will will follow us. So, so if you're a movie fan, if you're an award show buff, these are the movies you need to keep on, on your on your radar for sure. Uh, and I don't know how many know that you have seen of these, but probably Power of the Dog is going to be the the lead nominated and probably garner the most wins. It's a Netflix original film. It's on Netflix now. Uh, Netflix finally having a, a spot at the table. They've been wanting to sit with the big studios for a while. They've been doing great original content. They, they always sneak in with some, some good films over the last few years, like Irishman, things like that, but they really think this is going to be their year to take home Oscar gold for Best Picture. So Power of the Dog is on that list. Belfast, another film, another drama by Kenneth Branagh, kind of focuses on a a young boy who is sort of the the life of Kenneth Branagh when he was younger in Belfast. That's another one to keep on your list for Oscar contenders. Um, Of course, Being the Ricardos, an Amazon film, that's one to keep your eye on. Uh, Nightmare Alley, one of my favorite films, which I think we're going to even break down a little bit more, you and I, uh, is one to keep on your radar list for actor such as that. But then another one I think that could dethrone everything is King Richard, the Will Smith-led film that uh, HBO Max released uh, a while back. This thing was the front runner for Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Ensemble, and still could get some of those. Uh, I think Power of the Dog and Belfast has kind of creaked up on them. But uh, if you're looking for some, some really meaty award show films, that would be the ones to start with. Oh, and West Side Story. West Side Story came out December the 10th. That one's going to garner some stuff from uh, Steven Spielberg's team as well.
0: Well, I will definitely be seeing West Side Story because everything, in my mind personally anyway, that Steven Spielberg touches turns to gold. So that can't be too much of a bad film. It'll probably be pretty epic as a matter of fact. Nightmare Alley, as you said, we're going to break down that in just a bit here. I did see that one. Haven't seen many of those other films, but Power of the Dog being a Netflix original, I have to tell you, Netflix has been pretty epic of late i even had on last week's show mark anthony austin who has done some work with netflix and they have a much more fluid way now about making some of these projects and i'm finally excited actually to have them at the table matt that's good stuff
1: it is you know man, they've got deep pockets now and they do some good product they're uh, if you've worked with the team at netflix which we've been able to do uh with the critics choice Awards of the last few years they are stand up bunch of people. They do everything professionally. At the same time, they're not egotistical. I mean, they they were the kings of streaming. They started this whole thing. Uh, nobody was streaming but Netflix. They had been doing so much, uh, but they still seem very humble about it, especially when dealing with with press and people like that. So I'm excited, too, to see them at the table. And, and you pointed out something, too. I hear this every year, especially when the Oscar nominations come out, because that's the one even most everybody watches. A lot of them don't watch you know, our show, some of them maybe don't even watch the Golden Globes or the SAG Awards and things like that. But, you know, the, the nominations come out and people are like, I haven't seen half of these films. I haven't even heard of half of these films. So, th- so that's not uncommon. But the great thing it is, now with Amazon being at the table, Netflix at the table, more of these films you can actually stream and watch at home instead of trying to find in your local art house theater like you used to. That was your only option. But so many of these are streaming now that that gives you a better chance of seeing them even before the Oscar Awards.
0: Exactly. So you can hear shows like Across the County and The Entertainment Answer instantly hop on your favorite streaming platform and get some of these almost instantly on demand. And then you're able to plug into what everybody's seeing. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, now we're going to dive into Matt. By the way, Matt Mungle, my guest, after a long hiatus, he's back to begin the year or end the year, depending on when you're listening to this. Again, we're pre-recording this, and that's no harm, no foul. But there's some movies out now that I know I've seen some of them and you've seen some of them as well. I'm excited to see uh, where we kind of can actually talk about spoilery type things. But first of all, let's ask you if you've seen Spider-Man No Way Home with Tom Holland. Also, the returning one of my favorite character actors, Alfred Molina, Willem Dafoe, amongst others. Have you seen Spider-Man yet?
1: You know, I haven't. As as I mentioned, the award show is usually wall-to-wall watching all of these heavy dramas things that we're going to vote for. Uh, so I have yet to see Spider-Man No Way Home. I was going to see it last week, but then some of my kids are off now on, on a holiday break from school and they're like, well, let's all watch it together. So I, I still haven't seen it trying to get the whole family together for us to go out and watch it. So I've heard great things about it. I've heard nothing negative about Spider-Man No Way Home and I'm excited to see it, but I have yet to see it.
0: Well, I will tell you this, my friends, as I've kind of roped you into the Marvel universe, so to speak, and we have a lot of back and forth, After seeing it twice now, I usually see a Marvel movie once, digest it, see it again, and then probably even see it again if I really like it. Spider-Man No Way Home is now right behind Iron Man, the original Iron Man, and it is the second best Marvel movie of all time. The story is dynamic and they really pull everybody into this new multiverse that they're trying to develop. I'm not going to give away any spoilers on that. And again, it's a nice treat seeing Alfred Molina, who is from the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans as Doc Ock and Willem Dafoe as Norman Osborn. There's a, another, you know, a couple of surprises there. I'm not going to give too much away. And Dr. Strange also as though not a main character, but a great supporting character, adds a nice touch to the film as well. And the score, I think you're going to absolutely love it. Michael Giacchino hits it out of the park. It's sweeping, it's emotional, it's amazing. It's spectacular. Okay, amazing, spectacular Spider-Man. Matt, you're going to dig this.
1: You know, I hope so. Uh, and it's good to hear that because my quote has been the last, and I kid you not, I'm not saying it's just for the show, the last four Spider-Man movies that have come out, uh, even going back to maybe the last ones with Andrew Garfield, my response is always, why do we need another Spider-Man movie? Mm-hmm. I, have, I have always been the guy like, we don't need another Spider-Man movie. Let him show up in Endgame. Let him show up in some of the, the, the bigger Marvel cast films. I don't think we need another Spider-Man film. And they keep giving them to us. I mean, I know he's a likable character. So I was happy to hear resoundingly that everybody says this is this is next level for spider-man you can almost kind of just push the other ones aside this is going to be the iconic Spider-Man movie that everybody grabs, gravitates to. It sounds like you agree with
0: that. I do agree with that. And I was actually very pro-Toby Maguire Spider-Man. I never really got into the other ones with Andrew Garfield. And then Tom Holland had a very new take on the character, which I enjoyed. I enjoyed his first two films. I just loved this last one. And I really think it's going to get people interested in Spider-Man again. And there is definitely a why they made this film. I hope they do another. I really do.
1: Yeah, and I haven't seen it again. This might be a spoiler, but do you think, because you and I talked about at length Loki, the series that was on Disney Plus, and kind of argued about, did what happened in Loki with everything, did that help films like this one to be able to do some of the stuff they're doing? Is that a tie-in to what was happening with Loki? Like I said, without giving too much away, was that making movies like this possible story-wise?
0: Story-wise, yes. Now, there's not necessarily a direct connection with the multiverse thing that's explored here as to where it's explored in Loki. But you can definitely see the similarities. And then if you go back and perhaps even try and line up the timelines – I would say even perhaps maybe it's kind of double calamity. They are both they both might be happening at the same time. I have to go back and do some research on that. But storyline-wise, yeah, the Loki series definitely helped kind of get our minds ready for what's to come in this movie. And then the, we'll also get into the trailer for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which is going to be all kinds of multiverse.
1: Right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to see how it all ties in, and we'll see it next week with the fam. We're going to see it as kind of our New Year's get-together, so uh, I will will give you a report as soon as
0: I hear it. Yeah, sure. definitely interested to see where it kind of falls on your Marvel ranking list. Again, number two for me. Well, another movie that's out is The Matrix Resurrections, which is the fourth installment of the Matrix series, and it's been decades since we've seen Neo and Trinity get back into action again. And this one got mixed reviews, Matt, without giving spoilers away on this one. It was a nice trip back to the Matrix for myself it's one of my favorite series it had a very original screenplay which I like often you'll see these movies from these successful franchises they're brought back and they kind of rehash what they've already done because they know hey it works it's a new generation let's just kind of lace in little thematic elements that we've already had here and there. I think this is a very original screenplay. And while it is the same concept, it's very different in its own right. It's not a Matrix 1 through 3 retread. And so that's nice. There's also some new takes on bullet time, which was a groundbreaking effect and sequence that was back in the original series. And also awesome reprisals of Keona Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss. And they're just mind-blowingly, Awesome characters that everybody has loved for decades, Neo and, of course, Trinity. The only thing I have to say negative about this is that even though they do a nice job at explaining away Hugo Weaving and Lawrence Fishburne not being a part of the project with their particular characters, had they really maybe even waited a little bit longer for their involvement, found a way to get them involved, it really would have taken this movie to the next level. That's my only complaint, Matt.
1: Right. And, and, you know, there's a theory. I haven't watched the, the entire one yet. I was never a Matrix fan. I love Keanu Reeves. Uh, I remember when the first Matrix came out, they were doing things special effects wise that we had never seen before. It was mind blowing. Uh, I was interested to see if now as far as we have come with technology and the things we've seen with movies like Inception and, uh, and movies in that, that vein, if this one would still be as cool. Uh, it sounds like it is. You know, there's a there's a real phenomenon. and I think I have this and uh, you can Google. it. I'm not making this up. There is a Matrix phenomenon that certain people watching The Matrix will fall asleep. It's impossible for them to get through a Matrix film without falling asleep. It's like tryptophan.
0: And you're and one of these I people, I take it.
1: I have. I've tried to watch Ma- Matrix Resurrection. I get a little bit farther in each time, but I go to sleep. I can't stay awake. <laughs> it's a crazy phenomenon. Stop I don't taking the blue pill, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what it is.
0: Well, I didn't uh, even, I didn't even know Netflix. that existed. That's, that's, pre- that's pretty uh, comical, actually.
1: It is. It is. and uh, But what I saw, and I am going to finish it, I thought it looked great. Uh, I loved Keanu, and I liked the original without, again, uh, giving anything away. Keanu and, and Carrie Ann Moss, when they had that first meeting in this one, I thought it was very special. So um, I'm kind of excited to see how it all pans out.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely do a further review as uh, we get further into the movie from Matt. It might take another year or so. He keeps falling asleep, but we'll make sure he <laughs> I finishes the film. I'll have to watch it standing up. Maybe that's what I should do. Standing up, drinking coffee upside down. I think that's the way to go.
1: That's it. That's it. That's the plan.
0: But this isn't my favorite Matrix movie. Uh, if you're going to talk as far as the entire series go, I'm still a huge fan, actually, which is ironic. A lot of people, it's their least favorite. But the third Matrix film, The Matrix Revolutions, is my favorite Matrix movie of all time. Did, what do you think about that one?
1: Again, they all kind of run together for me. I haven't watched, went back and watched any of the first three uh since they came out. I watched a little bit of the third one uh, the other day on, on HBO because I was like, Well I want to kinda of catch up and see what's going on. Fell asleep, didn't get through it.
0: Wow. It it holds true for every <laughs> Matrix movie with certain individuals. Amazing. It does. It's crazy. So we'll get back to that one uh, in later uh, years when Matt catches up. But there's another movie I know we've both seen, and this for me was pretty amazing. It's called Nightmare Alley with Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett, one of my favorite actresses. Another Willem Dafoe movie, and it was great, Matt, because I walked into this. My son wanted to see it. I'm like, oh, I haven't heard about it. Don't know where I've been living. Under a rock, perhaps. No promo stills, no promo trailers, nothing. I walked in cold turkey to this thing and probably that was part of the reason I was taken just each and every which way thinking what kind of movie am I getting and it was lights out. I thought that this William Lindsay Gresham novel from 1946, it's a real treat.
1: It really is your son has great taste, uh, I should say that because yeah this is one that everybody should see if you, if you love films, and uh, I'm a big fan of Bradley Cooper, as you mentioned, it's a Guillermo del Toro who wrote and directed it. and if anybody's familiar with his films like Shape of Water, he creates visuals and worlds that are just wonderful to see on the screen. Uh, this takes place at, in a carnival setting and they built I mean it wasn't any effects or green screens, they built an entire carnival set for these people and actors to move about in it's just beautifully shot a great story that like you said it takes some twists and turns you're not really sure where it's going to go uh but in my top five films of the year uh, especially for acting and directing by guillermo so uh, i was really really uh, impressed with nightmare alley and it's a remake i haven't watched the original original i think came out in like the 50s or something maybe uh, I haven't gone back and watched that, but uh, this one is just uh, stunning to watch, and uh, I just I, I loved it.
0: Oh, I'm going to have to go back and watch the original. I didn't even know there was another version of the film.
1: Yeah, I want to. Like I said, I want to say it came out in the '50s. I'm not sure how much Guillermo took from that. I'm sure he watched it and had notes from it, but he definitely made this one his own and just created this world that he only he can do.
0: Yeah, he does a great job, and I don't know if this was part of uh, the way that he directed the film, but what I liked, especially going in cold turkey, Matt, is I thought originally with the first part of the film, I knew this guy had done some wrong. The main character that Bradley Cooper is playing, but I thought it was going to be more involved in the carnival for the entire length of the movie, and then it's like, nope, it goes off in this completely different direction without giving anything away, and you're kind of in a murder mystery kind of a, a movie, and I was just pleasantly surprised.
1: Yeah, it kind of takes that uh, Hitchcockian sort of film noir feel uh, with how it's shot and the way the story goes and the, the way they light it and the characters how they move. Uh, you know, even you know, going back to like a, a Maltese Falcon feel or something like that. So uh, I, I loved it. And uh, and I just looked up the original one came out in 1947 is when uh, the original Nightmare Alley came out it had Tyrone Power in it. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back and watch it. I think it'll be fun.
0: Yeah, that would be fun. It'd be neat to go back and watch it and then compare the two movies. Mm-hmm. For sure, Noah here and across the county. Go to the dot com, dot com. Matt Mungle, my guest. After a long hiatus, he's back, and he said we can talk theology. So now, what is the meaning of life, Matt? That's what I need to know.
1: Well, the meaning of life—it all comes between you know sin separated man eternally, and then there was a gap. God didn't like the gap, so we needed to bridge of the gap between us and sin, and Jesus came in. It's—it's it's pretty straightforward.
0: Matt is just direct and to the point. Well, that was—that was not bad, my friend. I'm just going to go to you for now on my answers. <laughs> there you go and now back to to keep that in my pocket there you go now back to movies uh things i have not seen which might surprise you i am completely behind the ball on this one and have not seen marvel studios hawkeye tell me i know you have seen this or at least some episodes how's that going
1: yeah i'm surprised you haven't seen hawkeye being the marvel guy uh I loved it. My wife and I watched the series. We just finished it up with the last episode a couple weeks ago. I mean a couple days ago. Uh, I loved it too because it take pla- takes place at Christmas. And so it feels like a Christmas film. Which oh, that's i that's cool. Is really smart of them. Yeah, so it all takes place and he's trying to get all this done Hawkeye has to get back to his family before Christmas. So it takes place there. I thought it was fun. It had a lot of humor in it. Um a lot of character interaction. Kind of gives you some other characters you've known from the past, even brings Daredevil in a little bit.
0: Does it really?
1: Uh, Yeah, really, it does. So I'm not giving anyone away, but it's so much fun. And, you know, Hawkeye is one of those characters that he almost feels like a B character. Uh, And, you know, having a Hawkeye movie would never have worked like on the level of a Black Widow. Mm -hmm. But doing a series with Hawkeye, I think was the perfect, smartest thing to do. And it was a lot of fun. I think Marvel fans who haven't seen it are going to really enjoy it.
0: I'm glad they did that. Like you said, and I wouldn't necessarily even call him a B character, but it's like, okay, yeah, he's not an Iron Man, and we all know that. So I'm glad they actually finally gave him some screen time. How does this series compare to some of the other Disney Plus Marvel series that they've had up to this point?
1: Uh, Well, you know, I I wasn't a Loki fan, so I I don't know if I can compare it to Loki because I I wasn't really a fan of Loki. I thought it was way above that. Um, It was certainly on par with uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier um as far as, as as how it was made. I know Falcon and Winter Soldier did a lot more in the universe itself and, and doing a lot of more action. Uh, but this one I think had a great story and it's re- really, really on par with everything that's there. I would put it even on par with uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or maybe just a tick under. But uh, it definitely holds its own.
0: That's great. I might actually start that this evening after we're done recording this. Something to look just- forward to now that I've also seen No Way Home. I've seen that twice, and I have to wait all the way until May for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I can't wait that long for Marvel content, Matt.
1: I uh, know. You can't. You can't. You shouldn't. You shouldn't have to. So-
0: and, and see, maybe that's why I didn't see this on purpose. I'm going to go with that. I, I strategically plan my Marvel viewing this way.
1: Yeah, you should. I mean, even if you think about it, I think there's like eight or nine episodes of Hawkeye. If you took between now and May and just spread it out, watched one episode every couple of weeks, you could get your Marvel fill all the way up until Doctor Strange.
0: See, this is why we have Matt on the show, because he has these great ideas. You know, I try. He, I try. He, I'm just trying tra- to
1: keep you in, in the Marvel world. I'm trying to help you out here.
0: Well, we appreciate that. We don't appreciate your bashing of Loki. Moving right along, uh, being <laughs> being the Ricardos is something I know I am going to see because I love everything. Desi and Lucy and I love Lucy. How is this movie with Nicole Kidman?
1: You know, it was better than I thought. It's an Amazon film. It kind of takes place in one little segment of of Lucy and Ricky's life as you see them putting the show on. They had the highest rated TV show at the time, and some political things come in that could derail that. So it's a lot of behind the scenes of their marriage, of that dichotomy about at that time and place, women weren't supposed to be powerful in the workplace, Uh, the the man was, and so how they worked through that. And I think it was really good, especially for those who loved I Love Lucy and still do, just watching a glimpse of the behind-the-scenes of how that does. I think Nicole Kidman did a great job uh, as as Lucy. I, I, don't, I don't see them getting any nominations uh, at this point. I know that in the long list, being the Ricardos, tend be up there for Best Picture. But anything else, I think it's just a good watch. I think it's one of those. It's on Amazon. Click on it, watch it some afternoon, and enjoy it. Um, I think some people will be shocked too. I, you know, I know that people like are worried about content. This is an R-rated film. You know, so that's kind of interesting to hear anything about the Lucy Show being an R-rated film. But for language and some content, and some of the themes that are in there, uh, just know that going in that you're not going to get "I Love Lucy." You're going to get more of a dramatic behind the scenes look
0: well exactly and i'm glad you brought that up because it's definitely something people might hear on the surface oh this is something the whole family can watch not necessarily because this really gets into the lives of desi and lucy and what was going on as you said behind the scenes and some of that stuff isn't necessarily great for the entire family
1: right exactly so there's always you know know before you go that's always the thing with everything
0: That's right. Exactly. Uh, Next on the list is something I'm really looking forward to, because I love every one of these movies. But if you ask me, nothing gets in the way of The Lost World, which is the second Jurassic Park movie with Jeff Goldblum at the forefront. I think that is just the best one out of the entire batch of movies. But getting the new one, Jurassic World Dominion prologue has been out and I have not seen this yet. Tell us all about it, Matt.
1: You know, I haven't either, but I, I'm I'm still I'm still reeling at the fact that you think the second Jurassic Park is the best one. Easy, it's Jeff Goldblum.
0: Easily. H- how have you seen the other ones? I have seen each and every one of them. Now, see, this is also oh, one of those. Gosh. This is where it's more about preference, Matt, because. In certain series, you have certain movies that don't live up. And okay, that one wasn't that great. No, I think every Jurassic Park movie, Jurassic World movie they've ever made is lights out. They're all very, very good stories. The acting is spectacular. The special effects are spectacular. So I'm not putting down the other movies, but I like the darker twist that the Lost World seems to bring to the table.
1: Uh, okay. All uh, right. Yeah, and, I, and I'm a huge Jurassic Park franchise fan. That's probably after Star Wars and maybe another one that's Top three of mine for franchise. I mean, I'm just everything about Jurassic Park. And that's about the, the weakest one for me was the one with, with Goldblum. And he takes his daughter and they get in that camper. And it's, uh, there's just, ah, oh, it's just, yeah, interesting. That's interesting. You know, this is why you and I do good doing a show together, because we have such, sometimes we just, it's like two trucks running into each other out of nowhere. I didn't see that coming at all. I thought you were pulling my leg at first.
0: I'm going to guess that your favorite's the original.
1: Oh, yeah, my favorite one's the original. In fact, I'll say when I'm doing things like Mowing the Yard, I will actually replay the first one in my head from beginning to end, complete dialogue and everything. It is is my favorite. Uh, The first one that brought in Chris Pratt, uh, I liked that one a lot, even though there were some campy things about it. Um, The third one is probably my third favorite. And then, yeah, so, but, yeah, you can't beat the original. You know that. You'll never beat that one.
0: Well, See, even though – and this is something that I've told you and other people off the air as well. Even though The Lost World is my favorite, so that's the second installment, you really can't get past the nostalgia feeling of the first of anything, whether it's Star Wars or Indiana Jones or Jurassic Park because it has a very special connection to people. They were brought into this world that just wowed and amazed them and inspired them. So it actually – even though you might have a preference – those first movies always you hold near and dear to your heart, Matt.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. And then getting back to what you mentioned, Jurassic World, Dominion, Prologue. uh, I have this thing as, because I watch so many movies, but I have this thing, I don't watch trailers. I usually don't watch like this five-minute prologue. There's a lot of things I don't watch before I go into a movie, and especially with something that I'm I'm excited about like this one. Uh, I I haven't watched the prologue. Um, I'm not sure I will, um, but... Wait a second. Did I watch the prologue? I think I did. Is this the one where they kind of show the dinosaurs?
0: I think so, yes. Have you seen it? No, I have yes. not seen it yet. Right. I have not seen it.
1: Oh. <laughs> I take that all back. I just lied. No, I have watched <laughs> this one. I thought this, yeah, I, I got confused about something. Else. Yes, I have watched this, and it's a really interesting look, but there's nothing really that happens. I think, the, what I, I think that's the reason I forgot is because it's five minutes of like, okay, I mean, it's a prologue. They don't really show you a lot. It looks cool, sounds cool, but I say skip it. Um, yeah, just wait for the film.
0: Now, if you don't want teasers, I will say this because we were going to get into the trailer for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Matt, when the movie ends for and you do see Spider-Man no way home, get up instantaneously and bolt out of your living room or the theater because there's major trailers there's actually a mid-credit scene and an end credit trailer scene that you're not going to want to see because it'll probably blow your mind and then you're going to feel like you're you know you've had your day ruined.
1: Yeah, now, I, I will say and it's a fine line. I know it's going to sound like I'm, I'm backstepping here. It's like the little <laughs> clips at the end of the Marvel films, the little teasers they give you at the end, I think those are necessary sometimes because they do, like, you know, the, at the end of um, Black Widow, when there's a certain thing that happens at the end of the credits there, I think those are vital. Trailers bother me because so many times they're trying to give too much away in the trailer or they, they mislead you in the trailer, especially with certain genres of films, that I stay away from trailers. Little nuggets of stuff, especially in the Marvel Universe, I think are important. So those, they get a pass because they they hit different than a trailer is or a sneak peek or something just trying to get you
0: in the seat. Okay, then you can stay for the mid credit scene because that (laughs) does kind of tease the possible next happenings in Spider-Man. Do not stay for the after credit scene because it's actually a full-blown trailer. The credits roll, the credits finish, and then you get the full-blown trailer to the teaser for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness.
1: Okay. Yeah. Thanks for the heads up on
0: that. Hey, I do what so I can. I
1: had to
0: trash the joint. <laughs> yeah, you know, I do what I can. You know, it's me giving back to you for everything you've given me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a give and take. That's why I love our
0: relationship. Exactly. So what else have you been streaming, Matt? I know I've been actually streaming Seinfeld, which is a show that I have found completely unfunny through the first 40 years of my life. And now suddenly, for whatever reason, I pop it on randomly on Netflix and it is comedy gold and I can't stop watching this thing.
1: You know, I'm the same way. I, I I didn't watch it when it was original. I watched it when it first started in syndication, and it is one of the funniest, wittiest shows ever. So it's become my new office as far as just putting something on and letting it play. Uh, I just love Seinfeld. So I've been doing that. We've uh, we've been watching Yellowstone. I mean, season four just came out, so we're catching up on Yellowstone, which is a, a drama from Paramount. Um, watching that, but I, I have to tell you, I have just been really. Uh, bogged down with films, I and mean, we, we didn't even talk about the new Ghostbusters film, which I think was fun, or House of Gucci, which is going to do some nominations as well. There's so much out right now. Uh, but, oh, and Mayor of uh, Kingstown, talking about Jeremy Renner and Hawkeye, he's got a very dark drama series that is on Peacock as well called uh, Mayor of Kingstown, which if you like dark dramas, heavy dramas, and you love Jeremy Renner, it's a total removal from Hawkeye, obviously, but we uh, watched that as well. enjoying that so just trying to get as much in as we can and i know like you said this is pre-recorded but from the time we're having this conversation tomorrow boba fett releasing are you you have to be excited about that
0: oh you know what? it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because i was joking with mark anthony austin on my show last week we are both going to be waiting through midnight cup of coffee in hand there's no way i'm falling (laughs) asleep to this and i will see at midnight the book of boba fett
1: I know. I'm just so pumped about that. And if you, if you have Disney+, Plus, there's a Under the Helmet little 20-minute feature about Boba Fett that talks about his origin, how they came up with the character, the fact he wasn't even supposed to be a character in the film. They made the suit and then had to build a character around the suit, and it just really talks to the people who did Boba Fett. So if you're a huge fan, even before going into uh, the new show, uh, if you want to watch Under the Helmet, it's like I said, it's only about 22 minutes on Disney+, and it's so great. Uh, behind-the-scenes stuff about Boba
0: Fett. Well, Matt, I'll have to point you to my last show, my last podcast, because if you don't recognize the name, Mark Anthony Austin, he does mainly effects work, but he, in the New Hope Special Edition, or a New Hope Special Edition, if I want to be accurate, he actually played Boba Fett with that one little scene that was added, Jabba the Hutt there, stopping Han Solo from getting to the Falcon, Mm -hmm. confronting Han, you go to the right-hand side of the screen, Boba Fett standing there, that's Mark Anthony Austin.
1: Awesome, awesome. Yeah, so I'm sure that it was fun to talk to him about that. I, and on the podcast, and I don't know, was it one of those things he went to the theater expecting to see himself, or did he know that it wasn't going to be in the original New Hope? Because I would hate to say, oh, yeah, I'm Boba Fett, I got this great scene, and you go take everybody to the theater in the 70s, and then you're not even in the film.
0: No, originally what it was is Boba Fett was not written into the final version of the original Star Wars. He doesn't show up until The Empire Strikes Back, and when George Lucas Mm -hmm. decides to do the special editions, one of the things he always wanted to do was to include Jabba the Hutt in the First movie, which would be A New Hope, Episode 4, and he, as Jabba's henchman, wanted to include Boba Fett, and since there was no longer the ability to get Jeremy Bullock, the original Boba Fett, there, he turned to Mark Anthony Austin, and that's his claim to fame, and he loves it.
1: No, that's a great claim to have.
0: It definitely is. And you just mentioned so many other movies, we're going to have to table those till next time, but I also did see Ghostbusters Afterlife, so that'll be a great place to pick up the discussion next time with my friend Matt Mungle of The Entertainment Answer, go to TheEntertainmentAnswer.com, MungleShow.com, and Matt, drop the socials for us once again.
1: Yeah, Twitter, it's at the TheMungle, and uh, Facebook and Instagram is Mungle Show, so it's very easy to find.
0: Well, thanks for all the plethora of entertainment information, and uh, the brief theology lesson was much appreciated, too.
1: <laughs> Anytime. I appreciate you having me on.
0: Well, go, go fall asleep to The Matrix uh, Resurrections for the uh, 58th time, and we'll see you next time. That sounds good. Noah here and across the county. Stay tuned. There's more coming up. As always, go to the TheEntertainmentAnswer.com.